seeing a black cat is a bad ocean. Wow. It's a bad, it's a bad OSHA. ocean. <laughs> ocean. <laughs> it's bad for OSHA. <laughs> it is not seeing a black cat is not OSHA compliant. <laughs> it's not OSHA compliant. They're pissed. They're coming for you. <laughs> They're coming for you. Your workers' comp will be denied. Welcome to Fairytale Fix. I'm Abby. I'm Kelsey. And this is the What the Fuck Fairytale podcast you know and love that I already fucked up. <laughs> Abby, what cleared her throat in the middle of our minute of silence. <laughs> and then spent the next the next like 40 <laughs> seconds trying not to laugh. <laughs> Oh gosh, we have fun. We do fun. It's good. Forty seconds is a long time to try not to make noise. (laughs) One minute. I don't like you. Tell me to be quiet. I'm like, this is not why we have a podcast. (laughs) Being quiet is very difficult. (laughs) I did tell Kelsey to be quiet when I started the (laughs) recording. Very sternly, I was, and then I cleared my throat. That's what made it so much funnier. It's so good. Who anyway? Anyway, um, thank you for listening. If you're just tuning in, the the intros are always this smooth. Yeah, they go about this well every single time. I think I think we're adorable. I also just wanted to thank everybody for their response to our Red Riding Hood episode. Y'all are so cute. We're so glad that you all loved that episode as much as we did. It was so much fun. We seriously became unhinged toward the end. It was very, uh, just the perfect fixes though. I know. I'm still thinking about them and about how much I want them. Like I want that movie. I do I need too. It. I want the Tiger Witch one. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. The I Tiger Witch one. Story. Elite. And I'm really excited because I am going to be continuing the Red Riding Hood goodness with this episode. Yeah. Amazing. I- can't wait to tell you my story, but I also wanted to thank you, Kelsey, for my amazing birthday presents. Your very belated birthday present. <laughs> I just could not get my ass to the post office. And even then, I actually didn't end up going to the post office because there were zero parking spots. That's and I was fair. like, fuck it. I'm just going to pay it like the extra and go to UPS or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes that's just what you got to do because sometimes the post office is annoying. And if I don't get the bearded man that works there, it takes forever. He's my favorite. I actually like, I feel like I go to the post office enough. I know the people that work there and I'm always hoping Mm -hmm. I get the guy, the old guy with the beard. (laughs) He looks kind of like a wizard. (laughs) Oh, I think I know that. Yeah, he's worked there forever. Forever. He is no nonsense, but he's also Mm -hmm. really like kind. Yeah, but like he's also brisk, fast. He's efficient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he wants you to leave as much as you want to (laughs) leave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. Shout out to your bearded post office wizard. (laughs) But one of the gifts that Kelsey got me is a book that I'm so excited. I mean, she got me two books. One book is a book of like Russian folk tales that have been like 
sort of re-edited and retold from like the classic Pantheon edition that I have. So I'm excited yes. to dive into those. They seem and a little my, bit more embellished, which I my prefer. My hope with that is that and it's funny because today I was actually looking through, I read like at least 20 different Russian fairy tales for my, like I was trying to pick what I was going to read uh-huh. and they're just, they just like fall a little flat and I wasn't feeling them. And my hope with that book was that they would be rewritten in a way that was a little bit more fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had really I'm pretty artwork. So I think oh. it's the same publishers that do like the book of monsters and the Indian fairy tales book you got. Yeah, it looks very similar. It's a, it's in a very similar like style. Yeah, gorgeous. But, we'll post pictures of it and a link yeah. uh, to the book in our show notes. You can definitely buy it on yeah, bookshop.org. I might do one of those stories for our next episode. As we head into winter, it seems appropriate to do like just general, just general like Slavic Russian stuff. Absolutely. I know. I'm kind of. Um, I feel like I should have got it for myself too. I might go back. To the bookstore Maybe you should grab one. Maybe that would be a great idea. Because also just the artwork is just pretty to have on hand. It's yeah. it's kind of done in sort of that traditional Russian style. Very, very pretty. Very fun. I'm glad you like it. I do. I love it. I can't I've already read a couple of the stories in it and I'm I've I think I've already like got one picked out that I'm gonna tell you that was very that oh, was nice. very just like okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll do that one next week. Um, but the other book that Kelsey got me is it's called The Book of Superstitions by Shelby L. Otomney. Mm-hmm. And it's black cats, yellow flowers, broken mirrors, cracked sidewalks, and more cultural behaviors and myths explained. And I am so jazzed about it. Me too. I want you to tell me some superstitions and their origins. I mean, I've already I've already read through a little bit of it, and today I kind of wanted to like I, I might do one of these every once in a while. Uh huh. Um, yeah, please do. I, I mean, if I can't think of another intro topic, <laughs> 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 I'll pull out my book of superstitions so we can talk. Perfect. About it. I know it's it's like it's it's excellent. I know. Um, I saw that, and I was like, this would be so much fun to read on the podcast. Like, there's some good ones in here. Uh, Curse of the Boyfriend Sweater is one that I'm excited to get to. I want to hear about the Curse of the Boyfriend Sweater. Let's do the boy. Let's do Curse of the Boyfriend Sweater right now. Then let's do it. Yeah, um, tell me. I was oh, also no. going to do like black cats, but like mm. honestly, I think we already all know why people are suspicious of black cats. It's because the Catholic Church hates women. That's pretty much exactly the reason. I feel like I didn't know that, and I would love you to elaborate at some point. <laughs> <laughs> maybe do we all do... know that, or maybe just you? <laughs> okay, I'll do both. I'll do both of them real quick. I'll do both of them real quick. Okay, okay. okay. Tell me. <laughs> so, black cats, the, the traditional superstition is that seeing a black cat is a bad omen, and that... And this is what I this is what I didn't know as part of the superstition is that if you see a black cat, you should spit over your left shoulder to reverse the curse. Oh, just even um, seeing it is a curse. Even seeing it is a curse because that's the opposite. Whenever I see a black cat, I go kitty, and I get very well, very excited. That's because you're a normal person, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and that's because you're a bit witchy, Kelsey. Oh yeah, that's true. So the reason black cats have been associated with haunted, spooky, and evil things in Western cultures is because of it's because of the association with, with witches. Basically, it, they're kind of associated with the basic tenets of paganism, or sort of like you know, like English 
English paganism. Sure. Many pagans who also kind of tended to be women or at the very <laughs> least have sort of ma- matriarchal cultures and belief systems tended to keep animals as pets, also had just a deep respect for the natural world. Cats were particularly common because of their independent natures and connection to wildlife. The connection between pagans and animals was emphasized in a particularly aggressive campaign from the Catholic Church that sought to drive paganism out of Europe by linking it to Satanism and dark magic. Mm-hmm. And this campaign led to centuries of religious persecution against alleged witches, i.e. regular women who didn't abide by the rules and standards of the Catholic Church. And around the 13th century, black cats became a target of this push and were said to be an incarnation of Satan himself, because that's also part of like the whole Catholic Church thing is that like darkness equals evil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Makes, yeah, it stands to reason. Devil, darkness. Satan, the same. <laughs> Women, devil, darkness, Satan, cat. <laughs> I mean, I feel like women are still associated in negative light with like regards to cats. Everybody's like, oh, she could be a sad cat lady, you know? Exactly. Like this is always the threat that like a certain type of heterosexual man will threaten women with. Is that, oh, if you don't be less picky and settle down, you're just going to be a sad cat lady when you grow up. And it's like, that's not sad. That sounds awesome. Yes, that's actually the goal. (laughs) That's actually the goal. Unless you're going to add more value to my life than a cat, Mm -hmm. I will take the cat. Yep. Anyway, so black cats, incarnations of Satan himself, and... Yep, color black associated with darkness and evil. The book also points out that cats tend that cats are already in in many cultures all over the world kind of considered considered to be divine or supernatural in some way. Like we've cats we've talked are, about this a little bit before yeah, on the show. Cats are always magic. Mm-hmm. Cats are always magic, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so black cats are bad magic. Bad magic. Bad. You're bad magic. <laughs> <laughs> The link between black cats and witchcraft eventually became so strong and widespread that people began to believe that these cats were witches themselves. And from here, you can see why a black cat crossing your path is considered bad luck. Essentially, it means that you are being followed by a witch and are likely already under their spell. Or you are a witch. Or you're a witch. And this witch is trying to, you know, something. (laughs) These days, witchcraft and magic have become far more accepted in Europe and North America, and the associated spooky imagery is so common that it has been rendered harmless. Black cats, once the spawn of Satan, have regained their wide appeal, though some wariness lingers with certain people. Yeah. As mentioned at the beginning, not everyone associates black cats with spookiness. In Japan, black cats are seen as good luck for single women specifically, increasing the odds of attracting a great romantic partner. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I think that's really fun, too. It also, yeah, I don't know. kind of reminds me of Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, that's a cute one. I haven't seen that in ages. I know. I love, like, but I love that movie. I love that movie's take on witches in general, that it's just kind of like this quirky girl who dresses in black and she's got her black cat, but she goes to work for a bakery. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all very charming and like about growing up and finding yourself. It's super cute. <laughs> Whether it increases a woman's odds of a, of attracting a great romantic partner because the cat is magic or because the cat is adorable is unclear. And that's the... Because <laughs> <laughs> the cat is adorable. 
And that's the end of like the little, the little blurb about black cats. So that's why black cats are traditionally bad luck. Okay. Okay, Catholics. Yeah, it's they're only bad luck if you hate women and magic. <laughs> Which a lot of people do. Which a lot of people do. So, so if someone that. if someone's on your case about a black cat, that means they're bad news and bad luck and you should ditch them. Agreed. 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 I love I, I mean I love all cats. All of them. Me too. Cats are magic. Cats are magic. Little little imps. Mine's oh my god, she's in she's in the room right now and she I have the door like slightly open even though I usually have it closed because she just cannot with closed doors like she was meowing outside incessantly like let me in <laughs> and then as soon as I close it when she's inside she goes to it and meows again she's like no you're not understanding I want to be able to choose and choose whenever I want <laughs> I swear to god this morning she got up she, like she wakes us up every morning right but usually she's like outside of the bedroom <clears throat> chirping at us like her little like <clears throat> like Aww. quietly trying to wake us up uh-huh. And this morning, she just gets on the bed, like, at 6 a.m. and just, meow! Like, <laughs> why the she's, fuck are you awake <laughs> She's finally figured out that the quiet method doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> she just screamed at us, and we both are, like, woke up, well, like, woken up, but we both just start laughing, because it's like, what the fuck? Don't oh yell at us. She's very cute. Does she ever like actually walk on you, like step on your hair or yeah, on yeah. your face? She, yeah, she likes to get right up on my like either of our chests and snuggle. And then after she's done snuggling for a little while, she gets up and wants to go under the covers and sleep on my feet. <laughs> That's cute though. It is her morning routine. That is so adorable. Yeah, she's a sweetie. She's my whole world. Yeah, she's your baby. She is. Oh, I love her so much. I did hear you having your little, having like your little argument with her when I was walking back up the stairs after refreshing yeah. my drink. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, she wanted to be, she just wants the door to be open. She wants to be inside this room and she wants the door to be open. I feel like she like freaks out when the door is closed. She's like, no, I can't get out. <laughs> And then she like had her tail in the doorway. <laughs> yeah. So she just cats her assholes. She's so spoiled. She but it's not making a difference for your audio quality. So we can keep Cheval happy and leave the yeah. door open. Yeah. Yeah. This microphone is really nice. So you Only probably can't hear Adam playing games in the other room, screaming boom every time he does something <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> or not so great. <laughs> I don't know. That would still be funny. I almost hope one comes through every once in a while, especially if it's during like a tense moment of the story. <laughs> Just hear Adam going, boom. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> he does that a lot. And it's really funny. <clears throat> that's so cute. Yeah. Do you still want to hear about the curse of the boyfriend sweater? I absolutely do. I'm really interested. Wait, I should make a prediction for it. Ooh, yes. I'm, go- I'm going to too, because I haven't actually read this one. Okay. I just saw it as the title. Well, because the boyfriend sweatshirt, because like I, I mean, you always steal a, a sweatshirt from your boyfriend, mm-hmm. which yeah. is great. I, I think just wearing your partner's sweater is such like because it's cozy. It feels like you're getting hugged by yeah. them, and it smells yeah. like them, and. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out like what the curse part is. Yeah, I know because it, it's actually I've always thought of having your boyfriend's sweater as like such a good sign. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Or, or like your partner's sweater of, of that. Like it's so intimate of wearing like wearing your partner's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because, like, like you, like you said, it, like, it smells them. like them and, you know, and they're letting you have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ooh, ooh, okay. My prediction is maybe it's like if you stole the sweater and it wasn't a gift or, or a loaner, like they didn't loan it to you on purpose and you just like took it out of their drawer. Although I did that a lot and I turned out fine. So <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I feel like I stole most of my boyfriend's sweaters. You know what's – is it weird that like the thing I steal from Steven the most often is his boxers? <laughs> I love wearing his boxers. They're so oh, comfortable. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I steal Adam's like t-shirts and sweaters. He doesn't wear boxers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's I'm a tidy whitey. not putting guy. anything up. I'm not putting his whitey tidies on. <laughs> 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 Steven likes a boxer. <laughs> I tried to get him into boxer guy. briefs because I think they're sexy, but yeah. he did not appreciate like he didn't appreciate how tight they were around yeah. the upper thigh. That's which is fair. too bad for me. Yeah. Totally fair. It's his body. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. I guess okay. I, I guess I feel like the curse is that maybe they just don't get it back. It's the curses on the boyfriend. Ooh, okay. Because then you break up and you don't get the sweater back for sure. <laughs> if she stole your sweater, you're never getting it back. And that's yeah. the curse. Okay. So I don't know. It's not like that. Let's find out. If you're at all familiar with relationship psychology, you're probably familiar with the concept of love languages. Some people like to show their affection by giving gifts, you know, just resist the urge to make a sweater. <laughs> Oh, to Don't make a sweater. make a sweater. Uh, yeah. That is, if you want your relationship to have any chance of survival, <laughs> known as the curse of the boyfriend sweater, this superstition is legendary in knitting communities. Okay, We're, I don't think either <laughs> of us are part so of like a knitting cute. community. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think I we have a couple listeners who are knitters. Yeah, have you, if like knitting knitting or people crocheting. knitting crocheting knit like knitwear people. Have you heard of this? Yeah, please message us and Did, tell us were, if you've heard you, of the boyfriend curse or the boyfriend. Were you yelling curse. at your phone while we were making predictions because you already know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> so it's believed that lovingly crafting a beautiful and cozy sweater for your partner most likely means curtains for the relationship. Huh. Sounds ridiculous, right? How could someone be anything but charmed by a gift like that? Well, unlike many of the superstitions I've encountered in researching this book, there are quite a few anecdotes to support it being true. Ask any seasoned knitter. They'll likely know someone who experienced a surprising and painful breakup because they decided to make a sweater. (laughs) It is so specific. I love it. They have like... A lot. Some people have knitted items for their partner before, but a single sweater severed the bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So what exactly is the culprit behind this curse? Well, people who knit, though they very much believe sweaters are jinxed, seem to dismiss the notion of any supernatural er- element. Instead, it seems that this enduring belief comes down to basic psychology. Knitting a sweater takes a good deal of time, resources, and commitment. It's very possible that in the act of sitting down and making such an elaborate gift for your loved one, you begin to think more deeply about the relationship. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> Oop. <laughs> Oop. 
it's doomed anyway if you're like if you're if or maybe it's a good thing maybe that's not a curse maybe that's like a maybe you should be thinking deeply about your relationship yeah you maybe you weren't thinking maybe like you hadn't really been considering all of the red flags (laughs) before you sat down to like dedicate time to making this unsuitable person a sweater Uh (laughs) uh-huh So you see right before your eyes the time and effort you're putting into the relationship, but what about them? Are they as committed to this relationship as you are? Would they take the time to knit you a sweater? Aided by the flow of creation, such questions about the true nature of the relationship are likely to come to the surface. <laughs> you st- I love that. I feel that way every time I start cleaning the house and Adam's not cleaning the house and I'm just like... <laughs> Do you love me I'm as doing much as I love work. you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so well, funny. Kelsey, you'll be happy to know that there's no sweater curse for married couples. Oh, okay. So if you live in a drafty old Victorian and you're eager to give your beloved a sweater to stay warm, wait until you tie the knot is the advice <laughs> from this book. <laughs> because then you're stuck and it's harder to just casually like be like, wait a minute. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I really hope has anyone, if you've heard of this curse at all, please Mm -hmm. message us. Yeah. I do think that's a fascinating kind of curse though, because I do like that the curse ends up being, it's you doing it to yourself and not someone doing it to you. Like the curse of the sweater is you sat down to make a sweater and then started thinking too much about whether or not it was make, whether or not this person was worth you making them a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's hilarious. Me too. I think, honestly, I don't think this is, I I agree with you. I don't think this is a curse. I think this should be common practice. If you (laughs) like knitting, you should like about six months into the relationship, you should try to make them a sweater and see if it feels good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Kelsey, thank you for this book. This is great. I You're already welcome. feel like I learned so much. I, th- I thought you would like it. It sounded really fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll also post that to our show notes and if you're interested in finding it on bookshop.org or whatever. If it's yeah. there anyway. As you should be because this is pretty cool. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> nice. New favorite. Totally going to read from it again. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we spent enough time. We did. <laughs> On the superstitions, I'm ready to hear this. What was it? A Nigerian version of Little Red Riding Hood? Um, Algerian. Algerian. Yeah. So, Kelsey, this, finding this story was a saga. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> it was very hard because, like, it was it was a throwaway comment in the Wikipedia article about Little Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. mentioning that there was an Algerian story called Rova. You won't find this story by Googling the term Rova or Rova Algerian folktale or Algerian uh-huh. folktales or like any anything else. What you will find is a reference to a Algerian Algerian musical artist called Idir, who in like the 1970s wrote a lullaby called Avava Anova, which is one of the things that they say it's like it's like the most repeated line in the fairy tale. So he wrote a lullaby, but the lullaby is not has nothing to do with the fairy tale. It just has (laughs) it just has that line in there. And then Uh a line about shaking bracelets, which you'll see will become relevant. 
okay. um, in the actual story. By the way, I listened. Avava Anova is available on Spotify and YouTube and iTunes and pretty much anywhere. It's gorgeous. You should go listen to it. Oh, I'm definitely um, going to. Yeah, we can totally link it like on our Instagram and in our show notes and stuff. It's beautiful. Beautiful song. And the 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 I looked up a translation of the lyrics, nothing to do <laughs> with <laughs> the fairy tale. <laughs> so the only full translation I could find of mm-hmm. this fairy tale was in, of course, a collection of folk tales and folk poems of Africa collected by a very racist German anthropologist in 1913. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I, the guy's name is Leo Frobenius. If you're interested in reading more about him, he did seem like an, it's, it's an, he's reading about him was interesting and awful. So read mm-hmm. at your own risk. This was a terribly like, like this guy loved race science in oh, no. like the early anthropology sense of the world of the world. Yeah. This oh, guy no. thought skull shape was very important. Oh. <laughs> But anyway, he also had a book of folk and fairy tales that he collected from his tr- while he was traveling through North Africa mm-hmm. in the early 1900s. And uh, that cool. that was the only place he could find the full text of this. So I and it was only in German. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I so Google you- translated it. <laughs> so you then- rewrote an entire fairy tale. <laughs> and then I had to rewrite most of it. <laughs> I used like to help me a little bit there I also found a reference to this story in a a blog article that I found called the women of Algeria's folk tales, mm-hmm. which was published in 2015 on a website called Arab lit, which is a mm-hmm. magazine of, of Arabic literature in translation. And so the, the ta- I also loved the tagline in this article. It's, it's by a woman named Nadia Ghanem. And her tagline on this was what are the women of Algeria's myths trying to tell us? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a really interesting read about how a lot of Algerian folk tales that that feature women prominently are usually about them trying to like escape a situation created by men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's an interesting read. I'll we'll link that one too. Perfect. Uh, I can't wait to read it. And it, it also it also helped me figure out what the horribly translated German story that I was tr- attempting to rewrite was actually trying to say. that's so cool thank you nadia you're a lifesaver and i enjoy your article (laughs) amazing you you did the most for this story i I was like no i want it i want like i want algerian red writing (laughs) i do too i'm so excited so anyway as as mentioned this story is it's from Algeria, also known as the People's Democratic Republic of Algeria. It's a country in North Africa. It's bordered by Tunisia, Libya, and Niger. And then to the south, it's bordered by Mali, Mauritania, and the Western Sahara. It also shares a border by with Morocco, and it's on the Mediterranean. Cool. Geography yeah. corner. And geography corner. Well, I, I didn't know where Algeria was. I thought it was in East Africa before Yeah, that's what the, I would have guessed too, actually. Yeah, so this is actually North Africa, and it's a predominantly it's a predominantly Muslim country. Okay. Specifically, this story is from the the Kabyle or Kabyle people, which mm-hmm. is a Berber ethnicity, like subsect. They they usually live in they're they're from kind of like northern Algeria, according to 
Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Wikipedia. (laughs) Thank you, Wikipedia, for Geography Corner and Ethnicity Corner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Language Corner. Language Family Corner. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're finally going to get to the fucking story. (laughs) (laughs) Kelsey... Oh, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you for your predictions. Give me three predictions for Rova. Rova, and it's R-O-V-A. R-O-V-A. Okay. My first prediction is that it is a very loose Red Riding Hood interpretation. Or, like, it's, it's very loosely related to Red Riding Hood. Okay. So, like, unpacking that a little bit, you mean that, like, it will have, like, one or two features in common, but otherwise will be a totally different story. Yes. Yeah. Like, the last, like, the tiger aunt was, like, really different. My second prediction is that there's a beast. Okay. And my third prediction is that there's a nice, happy ending. I want a nice, happy ending. I like it. I like a happy ending. Because the last one was not. That's where it no. did- Tiger <laughs> <laughs> That was not a happy ending. <laughs> like that, the girl that survives that story is going to have a horrible life because like her sister got eaten. <laughs> I thought for sure she was going to save her sister somehow. Not in that version of the story. No. I, 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 I hope that there's other versions out there where the other sister gets to live. But I mean, maybe that's this version. Maybe this version is the nice, happy ending. <laughs> Let's go. (laughs) Okay. A man had four sons and a daughter. The daughter's name was Rova. This girl was raised by her father and four brothers, and they all loved her dearly. Each of her four brothers practiced one special art. The first was able to split the earth when he struck it with his club. Cool. The second brother had eyes that could see through walls. I <laughs> Amazing. It's an amazing superpower. Also, I could see how that'd be annoying, maybe. Yeah. Like, you'd see like, stuff you don't want to see. He can, or does he, is it just can't turn it off? Like, he just sees through everything? I feel like that'd also be really confusing. Oh, you know, and the he, story is unclear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. I don't know. He, he can see through walls. I don't, I don't know if that's something he can turn off. <laughs> <laughs> I think he can't turn it off or on because other some of his other brothers also have a, a sense a sensory related thing that's always going. Yeah, you'd probably run into stuff a lot on accident. I also just want to shout out to Google Trent. Oh my god, yes, he would run into stuff. <laughs> like you wouldn't <laughs> Sorry, see that there was a wall there. Yeah, yeah. What like how does the seeing through walls work? Is it like there's nothing there and you just don't perceive walls, or is it that like you can see? That there is a wall there, but like you can see shadows beyond it or something. <laughs> like, or do you just live in like a world that is completely without structure? Like there are just no. It'd be so weird. And also, you'd see things that you don't want to see. I'm sure. Hell yeah, there's a lot of things I don't want to see. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that that's not a cool superpower. Although it's, I think it's better than just breaking open the earth. That seems a little meh. <laughs> I mean, I guess. It could be useful, but not a lot. <laughs> I mean, you're dead on. You will see over the course of the story, it is only useful in very specific search situations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, go on. <laughs> I want to shout out Google Translate real quick. 
for confusing me horribly <laughs> with this with dis- its description of the second brother's powers because it originally said the second brother was so spicy that he had eyes that he could see through walls and i i don't think that's right <laughs> he's so spicy <laughs> really Uh, spicy (laughs) (laughs) according to google translate i don't think that's accurate i like it but anyway maybe that's just describing his personality (laughs) (laughs) spicy one (laughs) he's just spicy spicy (laughs) i love it that's the that's the headcanon now for the Mm -hmm. second brother so the third brother has such such sharp ears that he can hear everything. Okay. Okay. Again, if he can't turn it off, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it really does. And you'd know things that you don't know. Things you don't want to know. You'd never be able to like just like have a peaceful moment because you could always hear what everyone else is saying all the time. Mm-hmm. And the fourth, this is such a weird, I don't even think this counts as a power, but the fourth was so clever that he could take the eggs from under the body of a nesting partridge without the partridge noticing it. I feel like that's actually pretty useful, unless... Useful, absolutely. (laughs) But like, not a power. Yeah, and also, partridges are probably, they're small birds, like... Mm -hmm. Even if it did notice you taking the eggs, there's not much it could probably do about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's but, a I mean, dumb superpower. That's more of like an example of how clever he is. Because like, I guess partridges are like really easily startle- startleable. Like, okay, so he's you know, like stealthy. He's stealthy. Like if you, he can, he can sneak. He could sneak an egg right out from underneath a nesting bird. Oh, so that's just an example. That's not like it's just an example. It's not the specific superpower. <laughs> it's not like he could only do it to partridges. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought you meant. I was like, wow, that's. I mean, lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the worst superpower. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Although in the in the article that I mentioned, the the, the women of Algeria's folktales article, <laughs> when when she mentions this story, she says that the fourth brother has super strength. Okay, so I mean that's way better. The, which would be way better, but that's not that's not how this story shakes out. And okay. and the partridge brother does end up having a relevant moment, so it's not. <laughs> 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 so who even cares about that guy? So we, well, no, he does. We have to care about it. So okay. you know, you can't even make it super strength because it it's important to this version of the story. Okay, okay. That he's stealthy like that, but I just you know, super strength would be cooler. Yeah. So one day, the father was in the men's council. He spoke in the men's council and said something inappropriate. In a diff- in the other version of the story that the that the woman that the the women of Algeria's folktales article mentions, it was it was actually that he farted really offensively. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. Me too. I think that's way funnier. <laughs> so he farts really offensively, and he's so embarrassed that he just stays outside, sitting on the rock <laughs> where he had farted originally, and just like can't get up. He's so full of shame. <laughs> like the fart was that bad. Gosh. So he's so embarrassed and he's to the point that he's literally stuck to this stone. Mm-hmm. So a small hut is immediately built around him that offers him protection against storms and wild animals, etc. Oh. And I know he re- he literally can't get up because he's so embarrassed. <laughs> 
And in the evening, Rova came from the city and brought her father's food and kept him company. And she does this every evening for a little while. Every time she approaches the entrance to his hut, she would shout Avava Anova or Father, it's me. And her father then answered from within, let's sound your adornments, Rova. And Rova would then rattle her jewelry. And when her father heard the ringing, he'd open the door. And she would, you know, feed him and stay with him and keep him company and often wouldn't return to her home until the next morning. Okay. I also love the idea that, like, it's been days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's just sitting on this rock. (laughs) That's so funny. He's just so embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) He's so shamed. He's just never going to show his face in public again. Never again. Like, he can't even go home. (laughs) I feel like I've been there. Yeah, 100%. like I'm never leaving that house again. That's just mm-hmm. that's my life now. Yeah, th- th- I've I never farted badly, like, <laughs> farted badly enough. That that's what embarrassed me. But so one day, a lion was nearby, and he heard Rova knock and say, "Father, it's me," and you know remembered those words. And the next day, towards evening, he comes to the father's door before Rova does and shouts. Father, it's me. <laughs> Roar! <laughs> Roar! <laughs> but the father realized that the lion could not be Rova because his voice was too deep. And the father says, I hear a strange voice, not that of my daughter Rova, nor do I hear the ringing of her jewelry. And the yeah, lion's let me, like, Let me tell you how to trick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how to trick me. How to trick me. The lion is annoyed and leaves. And when Rova comes, the father recognizes her. And so he lets her in and tells her that the lion had tried to gain entry earlier. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the lion went to, and this, this, these, this phrase, I could not find a translation for. I looked really hard. Mm-hmm. That was partially why I was late to this recording was I was trying <laughs> to figure out what this word means. It's Amrar Asameni. So he went to an Amrar Asameni and told him what he'd tried to do. And Amrar Asameni says, and I, so I assume is just like, smart guy. Sure. <laughs> wizard. <Okay>. Yeah. Wise <laughs> like wizard. person. <laughs> Local troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? All but of the above. he tells him all of the above, probably. Very mysterious. <laughs> so he tells the lion, your voice is too deep. So what you have to do is buy yourself a piece of goat fat. Put it in your ears and lie down in an anthill. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds awful. All it gets it. worse. <laughs> the ants will eat the fat out of your ears and eliminate the deep voice in your head. Somehow. I don't think that's how it works. They might make you shriek really high-pitched because you've got ants in your ears. Uh, so maybe yeah. that's it. Or, or it's magic. Yeah, or definitely a wizard. Magic. It's a magic. <laughs> Then collect conch shells and make a collar to hang around your neck. The collar will sound like Rova's jewelry, and when the father hears your changed voice and the clinking of the shells, he'll let you in. Why are you helping this lion? He's Amrar Asameni, and he <laughs> is, you know, kind of a kookster like that. <laughs> kookster. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever Amrar Asameni is. Troublemaker, wizard, kookster. Local, local lion troublemaking lover. wizard. <laughs> local lion lover. <laughs> local lion lover. <laughs> hey, lion advocate. Amrar Asameni. <laughs> <laughs> That's the translation. We figured it out. 
<laughs> it's lion advocate. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is pro lion and he wants lions to have whatever lions want. I'm, you know what? I I get it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he also he's also very offended by her father's fart. So, oh my god, maybe he was one of the guys that was in the men's council, and he's like, not only it's not enough that you're just like gonna live on that rock now, you deserve to die. <laughs> it was that you deserve to be eaten by a lion. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I love it. Head cannon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whew, okay. So the lion thanks him and goes to follow his advice, and it works. The ants give him a loud, high pitched voice, and the collar of shells sounds like Rova's jewelry. So when it's evening, he again goes to the hut before Rova and calls out, Father, I am here. And the father says, Let your jewelry ring, Rova. And the lion rattles his shell collar. And the father believes that it's Roba outside. And so the father opens the door to the hut and the lion comes in and asks, which end shall I start on when I devour you? (laughs) Your head, definitely the head. (laughs) (laughs) He shouldn't have asked, basically. Because the father says, start with my feet. No. Thinking that he could... hmm? I guess he just wants to like see how if he can survive or whatever, probably. That's well, I mean, it's also so he does it because he he thinks that if the lion is busy with his bottom half, then he'll be able to hear his daughter coming and warn her that the lion is there. That's noble. And help her get away. Okay. I want the lion to dress up in his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. But no, he wants the lion wants something else. So the lion begins to devour him feet first, and Rova comes when he's about halfway done eating her father. That's gruesome. Very gruesome. And her father hears her and manages to call out, my daughter, run away quickly. There is a lion with me. And then the lion swallows the rest of him, Hmm. comes out, grabs Rova, and throws her over his shoulder. (gasps) And she screams loudly as he carries her into the forest. Rova, no! Rova, no! (laughs) So she screams, and back in the village, her brother with the sharp ears hears her scream. God, I forgot about her brothers completely. (laughs) I know, because they're just not important to the story until now. (laughs) Like, they didn't bother bringing their their father food or company. That's the girl's job. They're also in the men's council. <laughs> They're like, no, sister, no, don't don't bring him anything. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> he deserves to die alone on that rock. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so the brother with the, sharp ear, with the sharp ears hears her scream, and he says to his brothers, something's happened to Rova. We should go into the forest tomorrow and find her. Yeah, tomorrow? Not tomorrow. right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go tomorrow good night's rest mm-hmm. so the next day after a nice long untroubled sleep the four brothers set out together and go to the forest <laughs> the long untroubled sleep part was me yeah yeah right <laughs> <laughs> because they're clearly not worried enough about her to go after her immediately she'll, Which, she'll I be mean, fine yeah he can wait she'll until the morning fine 
which again, like, you know, this, this is based off of the Google translate version of a German translation of a cop of a Kabil story. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? So who it's knows? really good so far though. I who actually knows if the really... word tomorrow was in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely enjoying it. So. Me too. I think it's. I think it's a great story. <laughs> but I'm just saying, maybe they went into her immediately. They went to go find her immediately in the That's real the version. <laughs> I hope they did. <laughs> <laughs> the lion had just gone out, and Rova was wandering around alone in his house when the brothers found her. The brother with the sharp ears heard both of their footsteps and said to his brothers, "Come with me in this direction. I hear the footsteps of our sister Rova." And so, you know, they found they find her at the lion's house. And they say, so you are not dead. (laughs) Great. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And Rova says, no, I'm not dead, but that lion wants to marry me. Nice. Oh, man, I love that. I love that for the lion. (laughs) I love that for the lion. I don't love that for Rova. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He just ate her dad. You know, he's a lion. (laughs) What do you want from him? <laughs> He's just doing what lions do. He is. He is. You know, we can't blame him for being himself. Yeah, he has to eat. It's he hard out her there gassy for a lion. She says, the lion wants to marry me. And to make sure I don't run away at night, he binds me in his hair every evening. So I have to sleep beside him. Otherwise, I would run away. So I guess it took them a couple nights to find her because she's been... Yeah. She's been trusted. And it's, it specifically says the hair of the lion's beard. Yeah. Like his mane. Yeah. Well, like, it- yeah. Or like his scraggly little like scar beard. Like a little tuft. <laughs> Are you imagining scar? I am. In this role. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In his little creepy villainous lion goatee. This is the, this is like the prequel for the Lion King that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> This is happening on the side. What is the Scar's origin story? Scar's origin story was he tried to marry this human girl after eating her father. (laughs) (laughs) It could work, actually. It kind of makes sense. Well, you'll see. Maybe a lion. I mean, it's very much like Red Riding Hood and that the wolf could be, it could be like a story where you're calling him a wolf or a lion, but it's actually Mm -hmm. about, you know, a predator man. Yep. Exactly. I I think that that's where the comparison Mm-hmm. comes from like why it's mentioned is like a, a red riding hood-esque story yeah yeah because sure. like it's like it's some it's some weird predator who lives in the woods and we're calling him a lion but but <laughs> so the brothers say go back to the lion's house for today and tonight you'll eat your soup with us and so rova goes back to the house and at night the lion comes home and he ties rova's hands together with his hair and then spreads a blanket over them and then they fall asleep and meanwhile, the four brothers arrive outside the walls of the house, and the, bro- the brother with the sharp eyes looks through it <laughs> and says, the lion is not sleeping yet. And after a little while longer, he says, the lion is sleeping a little, but not firmly. And after another little while, the brother with the sharp eyes says, now the lion is sleeping soundly, and we can get our sister out. So then the brother with the sharp eyes jumps over the wall, and carefully carries the lion and Rova out of the house as they're still tied together. And he lays them on the ground. 
And the brother, who was so clever that he can steal the egg from a nesting partridge without it noticing, began to untangle his sister from the blanket and then solves the knot in the lion's beard that was keeping mm-hmm. her hands bound. Nice, nice, nice. So useful. Yeah, actually, you know, he's very stealthy. It actually is pretty cool. He's very skilled. It's just not a superpower. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. You know, I think all of his brothers had amazing powers and he... He's he's the guy who's like, well, then I'm going to study really hard and I'm going to practice something. So I'm like, I'm perfect at it. There you Compensated. go. And he decided not to be a supervillain. He decided not. Why do I talk about? We talk about movies so fucking much. Because <laughs> yeah, I do. was going to make an Incredibles reference. <laughs> I've been thinking about with family Madrigal the whole time. Oh, so, yeah. From Encanto. <laughs> from Encanto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like the one that doesn't have powers. <laughs> But he sort of does because he made it up himself. He's just worked really hard. He worked really hard. It's the power of hard work. Mm -hmm. It gives him his powers. Anyway, he untangles his sister. And she wakes up and the lion does not. He doesn't notice anything. Keeps sleeping. And so Mm -hmm. the four brothers and Rova ran as fast as they can away. And every so often they stop to listen. And the brother with sharp ears will, you know, tell them if the lion is awake yet. And they almost make it back to their city before he says that the lion has woken up and was running after them. Oh, no. Quick, somebody make a big hole in the ground. <laughs> I know. Yes, at last. <laughs> you, you predicted the story correctly. It's Finally, <laughs> It's the brother who has the super specific ability of splitting the earth open with his clubs. Time to shine. <laughs> uh. So he grabs his club and he strikes the earth so it splits wide and the four brothers go into the crevice with Rova and they sat down together in a hole under the ground. And the lion, you know, with the lion all night, like is up above the cave, like stalking around and trying to smell for them. And he's confused because they're both there and yet they are not there. And eventually the lion gives up and goes home. And the four brothers now decide to just live in the cave with Rova. (laughs) Okay. They go hunting every day. She's not allowed to leave the cave for any reason while they go hunting. And that's how they lived for a long time. But then one day, the four brothers met the lion on their hunt and killed him. And then they go back to the cave, pick up Rova, and they go home to their city. The end. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. That was good. Yeah. Good, good job doing a, a little rewrite. Thank you. It was very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've done that for a story before, so I know how much how, like labor intensive that is. Just finding it was kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. But it was totally worth it. I loved it. Me too. And it did. Well, okay. I feel like that was a nice happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean, happy not, ending. Not the father, but... <laughs> Oh, whatever. You know, he was <laughs> an offensive farter. <laughs> Everybody else thought he should die. Rova was the only one who didn't want him to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was a beast. I don't know. I guess the loosely related to Red Riding Hood is subjective. It's loosely related in the sense that, like, I think thematically it's about something similar. Yeah. Ex- ex- I mean, I don't know. But even even that, like, that's kind of thin because it's the father who mistakes the beast's identity yeah and not and not rover herself does that mean i get all three points then i think we're gonna give it to you i think you get all three points on this one yes awesome. yeah i don't think that's happened in a really long time 
Me neither. Oh, <laughs> three points. Where you got all three? Huh? Either of us have gotten all three? Like, yeah, so I'm proud wonder. of you. Good job. I feel like it's definitely happened before. There was one I remember specifically that you, I can't remember what the story was, but you gave me my prediction. You gave me your predictions and I was like, have you read this story? Because goddamn, <laughs> you got like every single thing. It was really funny. I, I remember, I remember that one <laughs> where you were giving me looks during my predictions. <laughs> I was just like, have you read this? Because. Because I nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. I Ask remember them. that I I caught the vibes pretty perfectly off of the title. I can't remember the story anymore yeah. either. But you know, and I feel like I got. I mean, also like with this one for me, it was like Red Riding Hood. I mean, there's only you're, you're basing it off Red Riding Hood, so there's only at least so many predictions I can make that are like it's like fifty fifty. Yeah, well, because because those are those are the elements that it does have in common. It's just kind of like there's a beast. <laughs> yeah, slash there's a beast slash metaphor for a beastly man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a disguise element there's like yeah you know you, the the maiden does have to be rescued by a passing dude who does not wish her ill somehow yep i like that her brother saved her i think that's really sweet i know i think that's cute too i think like my fixes for the store for this story mm-hmm. i suppose are i think the ending is silly is silly like if you if you could kill the lion the whole time yeah why did you why live in a cave <laughs> for a couple years? <laughs> Just kill it. Just kill the lion. <laughs> yeah, for real. Or or let the lion or let the lion go home, you know? <laughs> to prey on another maiden some other day, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, kill the kill the lion. The guy that use that club to split the ground open underneath the lion's feet and yeah, then that's where he falls to going. his death. Yeah. Or I thought it was going to be like the the like kind of introduction of like a big canyon or something. That that would be a cool origin story for like a Ooh, big canyon for a land for and like the a lion couldn't get across, so he gave up Ooh. and they went home. I like that too. I love that idea. Actually, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. That it becomes kind of like where a I thought it was going. Canyon. Yeah. So those are that's a good fix. I like it. Awesome. And then they fight crime because they have superpowers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> or she just ends up marrying the lion and they all become friends and fight crime and their superpowers and a lion. <laughs> I feel like that's a good ending for almost all of these fairy tales. I just want them all to end that way now. If the lion hadn't eaten her dad, I think I'd be on board. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is the this is the issue I run into with the Swan Princess story too. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, she just married Rothbart. Exactly. He's so handsome, and he has a just Mary Rothbart. This guy kind of oh, yeah. rules. <laughs> and he has magic. Oh yeah, he kills her dad. I can't. Oh oh yeah, I guess he does kill her dad. <laughs> I guess there's no coming back from that one. <laughs> I just keep forgetting that small tidbit. Teeny tiny detail. <laughs> I mean, and I have I a great relationship with, with my father. Like, <laughs> so I don't know why that <laughs> keeps <laughs> blindsiding me. Because we're absolutely two daddy's girls, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Like, they don't that understand. dad sounded like the worst. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, he sounds like he sounds like he sucks. <laughs> well, he did try to warn her though. Like he tried to. That's he, true. Like, yeah, that was he, noble that he wanted he, to be eaten feet first. Exactly. Like he allowed himself to be like killed really slowly so that he would be alert enough to to maybe help her escape. You know, I think maybe I'm just offended by the the horrible fart. <laughs> and also the fact that he's so embarrassed by it. Like he just goes into hiding. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. sir. Just have a little more confidence. Just <laughs> get over it. <laughs> you know, everybody farts. It's fine. <laughs> 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 be a, fa- a proud farter be a proud farter maybe like maybe maybe chill a little on the goat's milk or whatever <laughs> no more cheese for you awesome but you made your daughter do all this extra work because you were too embarrassed to come home yeah people even had to build a house around you like mm-hmm. you didn't help with that at all <laughs> you stayed on your rock in shame I feel like another fix for the story would be he did something like maybe he's just an old man. Like I like like, like he needs to be an old man and that's why he can't move or like something more noble. <laughs> yeah. Something a little bit less like <laughs> I just kind of want to die of embarrassment here on this rock. <laughs> or even if he says something shameful. I don't know. That's still kind of it's, it's an, anyway. 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 Yeah. Thank you for doing the most for that story. It was great. You're it. welcome. I think I also think it was totally worth it. <laughs> what right. have you got? I've got, I've got two short stories. So I read, I, I mentioned this already, but I read like, I feel like 20 f- different fairy tales this morning and I just, nothing was vibing. So I did what I always do in that situation is I picked up a Ruth Manning Sanders book. <laughs> Hell yeah. When in doubt, RMS. <laughs> that is the the cure all because all of these are fucking bangers. But I am going to read one Russian fairy tale real fast. Okay. Let's see. But also this made me sad. So then I got extra excited about reading Ruth Manning Sanders because it's such a downer. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. So Once I have two very hint. different Thank stories you. I'm reading today. <laughs> And this story is, this first one is from the Gutenberg.org website. Oh, sure. Okay. And it is called The Dead Mother. Oh. Okay. No. (laughs) And it's very short, so I'm going to let you make just two predictions. There's a plague. Plague. And the mother hates her children. Mother hates her children. Or she's mean to them somehow. I don't know. Yeah. I got you. I'm just thinking, what are two very sad things <laughs> that I can think of? <laughs> I mean, just dead mother. <laughs> that, I mean, that's already sad, but like, I always go to, why is she dead? <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. Without further ado, in a certain village, there lived a husband and wife lived happily, lovingly, peaceably. All their neighbors envied them. The sight of them gave pleasure to honest folks. Well, the mistress bore a son, but directly after it was born, she died. Aw. Yeah. Sorry. Like I said, this is a downer. (laughs) The poor Musique moaned and wept. Above all, he was in despair about the babe. 
How was he to nourish it now? How to bring it up without a mother? Hmm. He did what was best and hired an old woman to look after it. Only here was a wonder. All day long, the baby would take no food and did nothing but cry. There was no soothing it anyhow. But during the night, one could fancy it wasn't there at all. So silently and peacefully did it sleep. What's the meaning of this? Thinks the old woman. Suppose I keep awake tonight. Maybe I shall find out. Oh my God, this is going to make me cry, isn't it? Is it like is it like the ghost of his mom comes and takes care of him? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, just at midnight, she heard someone quietly open the door and go up to the cradle. The baby became still, just as if it was being suckled. The next night, the same thing took place, and the third night too. She told the muzik about it. He called his kinsfolk together and held counsel with them. They determined on this to keep awake on a certain night and to spy out who it was that came to suckle the baby. So at eventide, they all lay down on the floor and beside them they set a lighted taper hidden in an earthen pot. At midnight, the cottage door opened and someone stepped up to the cradle. The baby became still. At that moment, one of the kinsfolk suddenly brought out the light. They looked and saw the dead mother in the very same clothes in which she had been buried on her knees beside the cradle over which she bent as she suckled the baby at her dead breast. I'm trying to decide like, is it a zombie or a ghost? (laughs) Cause like, is she literally rising from the grave? That's how I took it. Zombie mom. (laughs) Zombie mom. I mean, okay. That's creepy, but also, Oh, just wait. Oh no. (laughs) we've got like one sentence left or two sentences left. All right. The moment the light shone in the cottage, she stood up and gazed sadly on her little one and then went out of the room without a sound, not saying a word to anyone. All those who saw her stood for a time terror struck. And then they found that the baby was dead. (gasps) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that spooky? That's so spooky. Oh my God. Okay. That's not sweet. No, that's it was so sweet. creepy. It was very spooky. That's actually that would be a good one for scary stories to tell in the dark. Ooh, yeah, totally. That's like genuinely really scary. Is it like as like she literally crawls from her grave to like mm-hmm. feed her child like dead milk or whatever? And then the de- oh, yeah, I thought it was totally creepy. Is a little oh. a little of my Halloween hangover. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was really good. Even though, honestly, I am. I am really ready for like some nice stories. And I actually got excited earlier about like, you know, those cheesy like Christmas movies that come out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I like horror movied myself out a little this year. Well, because you started over the summer. I, yeah, I, start watch, I started watching horror movies like in August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now it's time for something nice where people I are know, nice yeah. to each other. <laughs> so to transition, now I'm going to read the Ruth Manning Sanders story. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. I need to, like, that was that was very sad. Sad and spooky. And now we have one that I promise is a very, very different story. Good. This is called Andromeda Dances, and it's from Greece. Andromeda. Andromeda. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> have you read this one? Andromeda dances. I think I vaguely remember a connected myth. So, like, I don't know if this is like 
part of the Greek myth involving Andromeda? It is from Greece. Yeah, or if it's just like a different story about a different girl named Andromeda. (laughs) It's from A Book of Marvels and Magic is where I found it. Generously donated by our favorite person in the whole world, Chris Otto. Chris Otto. Thank you. Oh, Chris. (laughs) We adore you. Andromeda dances. Oh, yeah, and you can give me – it's kind of short. You can give me three predictions, though. Okay, prediction one, this – story is where Andromeda meets Perseus. Okay. I can't tell if this is going to be one of those situations where knowing, where vaguely knowing the myth will help me or if it will hurt me because I go too hard in one direction. Uh Uh-huh. My second prediction is I'm going to steal one from you. Andromeda pisses off a god. Okay. Or a deity of some kind. I mean, that's always a good prediction in Greek mythology stories. Yeah. Is it Greek? Someone pissed off a god. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Or made them horny and that pissed off a different god. (laughs) (laughs) Still, either way, a god's getting pissed off. A god's getting pissed off. (laughs) But remember, it is also Ruth Manning Sanders' story. There will be significant slippers. Significant slippers. I don't know the story, the Greek mythology story of Andromeda at all. So, my my final prediction has nothing to do with the Greek mythology story. Okay, um, okay. I'm just throwing that one in there because, like, dancing made me remember the twelve dancing princesses, and so significant slippers, <laughs> significant slippers. I like it. Okay, Laid here is you. Andromeda dances. It was a hot summer night. Everyone in the house was asleep except little Andromeda. And she had been asleep and dreaming of music. Now she was wide, wide awake, but she could still hear the music and surely too the sound of dancing feet. Where was the music coming from and who was dancing? Andromeda jumped out of bed, ran to the window and looked out. Nobody in the garden, but oh see, beyond the garden, just before the moors began, on a stretch of flat, grassy ground, yes, there they were, a crowd of shadowy, softly shining, gauzily clad people dancing mm. in a ring. Ooh, okay. In her nightgown and not even stopping to put on her slippers. <laughs> her <laughs> insignificant <laughs> slippers. Oh, Andromeda, why? Andromeda her insignificant slippers. <laughs> Andromeda ran downstairs, unlocked the front door, and off with her, down the garden and out through the garden gate, with the music every moment getting louder and louder, and the sound of dancing feet more and more distinct. Until she came close to the dancers, she could see and hear everything that was going on. In the middle of the ring of dancers, (laughs) I'm still laughing, getting mad about this. God damn it. (laughs) In the middle of the ring of dancers, on a heaped-up pile of gold coins, sat a small musician playing a fiddle. The musician's face was bright and smiling, and he looked neither old nor young. So the musician nodded to Andromeda and smiled, but never for a moment did he stop in his playing. And round him, the ring of dancers whirled and leaped. Each one of the dancers, as he whirled past Andromeda, turned his head and smiled. And Andromeda herself was so excited that she couldn't keep still. She was hopping up and down. And I'm imagining like she's like a little girl, right? She's probably like. This definitely sounds like a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe eight years old. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely Coming like up. 10 or under is my yeah. is my vibe that I'm catching. Yeah, me too. So it sounds so cute. Yeah, she sounds adorable. And like going to like play with the fairies, like dance in a fairy ring. Yeah. Danger. Oh, just always but dreamy. I don't know. If you're a kid, I feel like it's usually okay. <laughs> yeah, they usually, they're like soft spot for children. So she was hopping up and down to the sound of the music until one of the dancers, as he skipped past her, held out his hand and she caught hold of it. The next dancer to that one took hold of her other hand, and there she was now, whirling round in the ring, leaping, skipping, fast, fast, faster, feet one moment off the ground, feet next moment just touching the ground, in the lightest, craziest, most wonderful dance that ever was or ever could be. Should have been wearing slippers. (laughs) No, she didn't wear slippers. But she she, she was. (laughs) Her, Her poor little feet. She's fine. This is like, she's probably doing the soft dancing in soft grass. It's so dreamy. This is so nice. I like it. This is I very know, dreamy. I, I needed a fairy tale. Like yeah. This. Palette cleanser. Now the dancers began to sing, and this was their song. I am a sprite and you are a sprite, but never since time began have I danced or you danced with a pretty little child of man. With her bright, bright eyes, with her little freckled nose, with her curly, curly hair and her ten little toes, with a pretty little child of man. Aw, so cute. Very cute. Fast, fast, faster rolled the dancers. Merrily and more merrily went the music until down in Farmer Nacko's barn, a cock crowed loud and clear. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> Instantly, there was a silence. The small musician put down his bow, and the dancers stood listening. Cock-a-doodle-doo! Then one of the sprites called out in a laughing voice, It is but a black cock. Play up, Perry Fiddler. On with the dance. (laughs) So apparently black cocks don't mean morning coming. I guess. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know really what that has to do with it, but... On with the dance. Racist. The small (laughs) musician... Seriously. (laughs) The small musician strikes up a merry tune and round go the dancers. Round they go and round they go and round they go again, whirling, leaping fast, fast, faster until down in Farmer Nacko's barn, another cock crows. Was it a white cock this time? That's that's problematic. (laughs) That's problematic. (laughs) Silence again. The dancing feet pause and the music halts. Then comes a laughing voice. Tis but the red cock on with the dance. Once more, the music strikes up. <laughs> Once more, the dancers whirl and leap. But now, hark again down in Farmer Nako's barn. Loud and shrill, a cock is crowing. Cock a doodle doo! Cock a doodle doo! It is the white cock, someone cries. Away, away, we must fly. Away, Not away, dance in the sky. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of the the horseman from Baba Yaga. Yeah, yeah, because that was also black, red, and white. Yeah. And didn't one meet, like, I don't know. One was darkness, one was dawn, and one was day, I think. Yeah, so or I something. Think the white cock is like dawn. Yeah. I don't know. Instantly, the little musician leaps off the pile of gold coins, tucks the fiddle under his arm, and rises into the air. Instantly, all of the dancers drop hands and rise into the air after him. And instantly, all of the coins in that heap of gold rise up and stream across the sky after the dancers. Now, little Andromeda is alone. She stands gazing up at the flying figures. 
and the stream of gold that follows them. Then a voice she hears calling high above her, Stop, stop, you are losing your shoe. (gasps) Another voice answers, That's for the pretty little girl. Oh! And down through the air, like a falling star, comes a golden shoe and drops at Andromeda's feet. She picks up the shoe and carries it home. In it, she finds three gold coins. Truly, now she is rich, for whenever she takes those three gold coins out of the shoe, she always finds three more in their place. The oh, end. I love it! Isn't that so cute? That's so cute! I'm calling that a significant oh, slipper. I'm going to give you yeah. that point. <laughs> I got a sig- it's a significant shoe! <laughs> slipper, shoe. I laughed because the first part... <laughs> so funny. Your insignificant slipper. Yeah, it was really funny because I knew that last part was coming and I was like, (laughs) oh, that was adorable. What a sweet little story. I I love love that they give her a gift at the end after dancing Mm -hmm. with her all night. Like, that's really cute. I love a good, you know, child runs out into the forest and has a fun time with fairies story. Like the boy with the cheese, the stars in the sky. Like, This did give me major stars in the sky vibes as you were yeah. reading it. So sweet. I love that, that she has a precious. name. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. know how to pronounce. <laughs> Andromeda. Andromeda. <laughs> yeah, Andromeda sounds way better. What was the Italian name that we didn't that we pronounced incorrectly in the mermaid in that mermaid story? Oh, Cecilia? Maybe? It was the the mean oh, sister. It was the mean sister. I think we like. I think we said Grizand, and it's like Granizia. And we said Granizia. We were saying Granizia yeah. <laughs> or something. <like> that. <laughs> so at least this time we've got. I I mean I don't know. I also like Andromeda is definitely how I've heard it the most often in like mm-hmm. English. I'm sure Greeks pronounce it differently. They might even pronounce it Andromeda. I don't even fucking know. Like, I'm going to look it up real fast. I'm sure you're right, though. Andromeda. It sounds, that's a pretty name. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the like Greek mythology story. So I'm glad you didn't bank all your <laughs> points on that. Gosh, me too. But I mean, okay. So like, cause so that story is actually like, it's the story. It's actually like Andromeda is a character in the story of Perseus, who is a Greek hero. Like uh-huh. Perseus is the guy that has the winged horse. And Andromeda is a gorgeous princess and her parents chain her to a rock to for a monster to eat because they pissed off the gods somehow. Oh, I remember that story. Yeah. And then Perseus saves her. So like a sweet story called Andromeda Dances probably doesn't have anything to do with the original <laughs> <Yeah>. myth. <laughs> it's probably just like a popular name mm-hmm. in Greece. Because it's a really pretty name. And so she's a very cute. beautiful princess. Two very different stories. Oh yeah, that was a that was a <laughs> much better vibe. I liked that a lot more. <laughs> I swear, I read so many stories that I just like they were blah, and I wasn't vibing with them. And I was like, that's okay. Like, if, there were a couple that I'll probably read later. But whenever I'm feeling that way, just pick up a Ruth Manning Sanders book, and it's like the first one I read. Perfect. Mm-hmm. The Ruth Manning Sanders fixes everything. Like, <sighs> it's always good. Yeah, no fix. I don't have fixes for either of those, honestly. I also thought I really do like the dead mother. Like that was creepy. It was very creepy. Yeah, no fixes. Yeah, yeah. That that was like kind of perfectly. That was perfectly what it was. We did it. Yeah, we did it we again. Did it again. 
<laughs> and I think that's going to do it for us today. So thank you so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, give us a five-star review on Spotify. We're up to 75, mm. which is very exciting. Yay, that's so many. I know. It's, that's actually it's, a pretty high percentage of our listeners. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I love it. If you love the show and want to support us, you can get extra episodes. We have, what, 24 bonus episodes now? Sounds right. Something like that. We have a lot. 22. We're at 22. But then we also have like the very first one we ever did. So that's... Anyway, just go listen to our bonus episodes. <laughs> you can also get some merch books. I send everyone who signs up stickers. You can get other bonus content at our Patreon at fairytalefix.cash. And you can also find us on social media at fairytalefixpod. We are on Instagram and threads and Facebook. And please email us your favorite fairy tales, folklore, nursery rhymes, and other fun things. Ooh, and superstitions. Yeah. Ooh, please. Yes. Email us about your superstitions. At info at fairytalefixpod.com. And so Rova's brothers didn't fuck around by hiding in a cave for who knows how many months. They just went ahead and killed that lion. And then they all <laughs> went home. <laughs> And the dead mother and dead baby started fighting crime on the side, <laughs> along with Andromeda also fighting crime. <laughs> it's the fix every time now. <laughs> because that's a perfect fairy tale fix ending. We just want them to become vigilante crime fighters. <laughs> and they all lived happily, happily ever, ever after, after, except the lion. The end. The end. <laughs>